2: welcome in everybody to a very special edition of messian co as you can see here the screen is filled on the english side we have a very special guest with us from nashville tennessee gian and ashley here as well a ton of stuff lined up for today's preview show of the league's cup final inter miami cf taking on nashville sc at geodes park for i think this is miami's first trip to nashville park or to nashville's new stadium maybe the second um i I can't really think of it the last time they played was definitely at nissan stadium um and i remember that playoff game in 2020 where nashville just dismantled uh inter miami so another really big competitive matchup for the two expansion sides of 2020 like i said this show we have a ton lined up for you but i should mention we have a very special guest today ben wright uh, who writes for MLS and Broadway Sports Media? We're super happy to have him on. Ben, thank you for doing this. And just if you could give yourself a quick little intro and let everybody know who you are and what you got going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's an absolutely insane week up here in Nashville. Um, so, a lot going on, but it's it's really fun to do this. Um, I've, like I was saying to you before uh, before we started recording, I've been covering Nashville since late twenty seventeen, um, heading into the 20, 2018 USL season. Um, and it's it's just been a crazy ride going from a couple thousand people at a at a college lacrosse stadium and then a minor league baseball stadium to now um, playing at Geodis Park and in a Cup final hosting Lionel Messi. It's it's been a lot, but it's it's been a lot of fun um, and
2: glad to get to do it. And it might have happened, at least for everybody, even in South Florida. All of this stuff is happening quicker than we could have imagined. I mean, we're only four years into the expansion builds of both of these sides. And this is one of the biggest matches in North American soccer history. So it's it's quite insane to, to see the growth of, of these two sides and just soccer in, in North America in general. With that said, it is a League's Cup final. And this is the first time these clubs have been in a League's Cup final. This is also the first time these clubs have Qualified for the CONCACAF Champions Cup alongside each other, which is another big note um, to to get into that continental competition, uh, which which is great because both of these clubs will now have a chance to compete in the Club World Cup if they can advance. So a lot of interesting news and notes. Um, But Ben, I want to ask you first you were at training this morning with Nashville. And, and as we get into the preview of this show, I want to ask you, you know, I saw on your Twitter that you said um, it looked like this was the healthiest at Nashville I've been in a while. What are some of the key notes and takeaways that you have from, from seeing Nashville train this morning going into the final?
0: Yeah. I mean, so they've had a lot of, a lot of issues, especially kind of in that six, seven game stretch right before leagues cup started. They were, I mean, they were struggling. I think they had won one of the six games, um, they had back-to-back losses to Philly and Cincinnati where they had two red cards in each. Um, so it was pretty brutal. And I, I think a lot of that was down to, um, they had a lot of international absences. Um, Anibal Godoy was missing for gold cup. Jacob Schaffelberg was gone. Um, Walker Zimmerman was gone for nations league and then had some injury issues when he came back. Um, Fafa Pico was gone. And so I think they've just been slowly getting those guys back. Um, and getting them all healthy really, I think coincided with their form to start the league's cup. Um, The big concern heading into tomorrow was that Jacob Schaffelberg who's been, I I think one of their most dangerous players. He's close to the top of the assist charts for, for league's cup. And I think he's just been a a standout performer. He came off after 17 minutes um, in their win against Monterey. He actually uh, injured himself in the build-up to that Hani Mukhtar goal that got disallowed, um, And so, I mean, anytime you see a guy come off that early, it seems doubtful that he'll play in, in three days, but I mean, he was the first player out on the field today. Um, he was doing all, all the full team training with Nashville. Um, he was doing a lot of individual work with assistant coach, Steve Guppy, who kind of has helped, um, a lot of the uh, attackers in Nashville. So I think he looked really good. Um, Randall got hurt in that Colorado match to start leagues cup. Um, he, he's a guy he was signed as a DP um he's been bought down now, but he's kind of one of their core players one of, one of the main attackers who has been productive beside Tani Mukhtar um, and he has missed all of the tournament since that Colorado game but he was he was a full participant in training too. I'm not sure if he'll be involved tomorrow, but he's at he's at least close to being back, which is encouraging for Nashville um, down the stretch and then uh, other than that it's it's a fully healthy squad um, other than Nick Depew who has been on the season season injury excuse me, season-ending injury list since the start of the year. So I think they're completely healthy. Um, It's been the most players available since maybe mid-May. And so I I think it's coming at a a pretty good time for them.
2: And I think from what I saw today from Miami's training as well, it's about the same. Uh, There aren't many... Injuries that we don't know of that happened, Um, you know, obviously they've they've been missing a lot of key players for the majority of the season, but they've they've picked up steam and and have built a cohesive squad, especially in League's Cup and and rolling through teams. Um, So nothing crazy from Inter Miami training today. I did see that Tomas Aviles was was there in a full participant, which but I don't know if he's actually made the league's cup roster. I don't know if that was possible. Fadius was there as we saw on the bench, but didn't make his debut. Uh, we talked about it on our show that we would have liked to see him make his debut because the depth for the final, you never know what's going to happen. That would have been great to have him debut in the semifinal in a game what they were you know, comfortably winning. And then if they needed him down the stretch in a, in a game against Nashville, that could be tightly contested, especially away from home. Would have, been, would have been nice. And you talked about the attack a little bit, um, Ben, and I wanted to ask you, or ask, Gian wanted to ask you a little bit about one of your key players that you brought in uh, just this summer.
3: Yeah, Ben, I, I, I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on Sam Surge. I know that he actually just... Um, formed part of the team recently. He came, I I believe he arrived in July. He's only played about 104 minutes, but those 104 minutes have been really impactful uh, for you guys. He has had three goals and all of those goals actually have come from uh, Haney. They've all been Haney assists and going into the America game, Haney only had one goal and one assist in his previous 10 games. So it's that kind of association between those two has been really important. Uh, Haney now has had two goals and four assists. Since then, so I want to get your thoughts on how important is it that those two players continue to complement each other, um, especially going into tomorrow's game against Miami.
0: I mean, it's it's massive. I think that's been the big question for Nashville really since they started in MLS. I mean, I think they started back in 2020 with Dom Baji as their starting striker, which everybody knew was kind of uh, an what you you deal with in an expansion side it, temporary. Um, they tried to bring in Yonder Cadiz. I, I think he was probably a little bit hard done by cause he, he caught COVID, um, with the Venezuelan national team, like a month or a month or two into the 2021 season and really never got his place back. Spent almost $7 million in Ake Loba, who I, I think has a case to be one of the biggest busts in MLS history. Um, and then Sam Surge comes in and he's played, I, I think it's like 117 minutes or something, and he's already scored as many goals as Ake Loba did in his entire time in Nashville. Um, so yeah, he, he's, he's been massive. He, obviously, the goals have been important. He holds up play really well, which I think is fundamental for any striker in Gary Smith's system. He always wants to play with the target man who can kind of be that focal point and occupy multiple center backs. But I've been really, really impressed with... The rest of his game. I mean, he he changes up his runs a lot. He he'll play on the back shoulder um, for a couple minutes and really stretch the field and and make def- he'll kind of keep defenders honest because he can actually he threatens in behind more than you would expect. He, he's kind of tall and lanky and never really looks like he's he's running fast. Um, but I, I think he maybe has a little bit of of deceptiveness to his speed. So he'll stay on the back shoulder and then he'll drop deep into midfield and, and let Mukhtar go up top. Um, his passing has really impressed me um he, he's played some balls in to the final third that don't look like your typical kind of big English number nine um so I, I think he maybe has he has a more rounded game than I I certainly expected at first um and, and sure it's a small sample size but I mean early returns look really good and I think I mean Leagues Cup has been huge getting him in but it, I I think it bodes well for Nashville down the stretch in 2023 and going forward because they've it's really been Mukhtar and not much else. And if Mukhtar isn't scoring, then the entire attack suffers. And I think now you're kind of seeing maybe Mukhtar hasn't scored as much as people would have expected, but he's creating lots of chances. He's having assists and he finally has someone who he can consistently count on to uh, to put those chances away. And that's something that has cost Nashville points a lot in the past. And I, I think they're pretty hopeful and, I, and I'm optimistic that they've maybe fixed that issue
2: with Surge. Is there is there a reason why he hasn't started a lot of these these first three games that he's come in for is it just kind of like getting him acclimated to the to the squad for now
0: yeah I think it's getting him acclimated and fitness I mean he he didn't play a ton um for Nottingham Forest last season I I think he played 20 games but only one of those was a start um so he wasn't playing huge minutes he's kind of I mean he's coming into Nashville in preseason mode he also wasn't in uh full training with Nottingham Forest for a couple weeks while they were while they were working on the deal. So he was just doing a lot of stuff on the side on his own to try to make sure no injuries popped up last minute and derailed the whole thing. So, I mean, he's, he's kind of getting back to fitness. Um, But yeah, he's come off, he's come onto, onto the field at halftime in the past two games. And I think that's a, a pretty interesting question for Nashville tomorrow is, do you start him? knowing that he might only be able to give you 60 minutes and then you could have to play the last 30 minutes of the game against Messi, potentially needing a goal without your best striker, or do you kind of hope that you can get by for the first 45 minutes and then bring him on? And I think I, I tend to lean toward towards the latter and have, on, have your best players on towards the end of the game when you're probably going to need them.
2: Yeah, makes makes sense. I I wanted to get so we've had a couple of people come on the show and and talk about, you know, their thoughts on Miami. And I kind of wanted to shift the conversation a little bit to what Miami and Tata Martino are going to have going on. What are your, you know, given what you've seen in Leagues Cup over the last six games from Lionel Messi and the squad, is it, you know, how threatening is it to opposing sides for them to be going up against them, especially in a final? Is it something, I mean, this is obviously a, a, a team that Nashville has, Never faced before, even though it's been this will be their the club's ninth, I think, game against each other. But this is a totally different side. I mean, everybody said it, it's been a complete 360. What, what are kind of the outside thoughts from an opposing side going against a, a team like Miami right now? Yeah, I mean, well, I
0: think first, it's I can't think of a bigger shift over like a three or four week period ever from like any team in any league. Yeah. yeah. Um, they were comfortably the worst team in MLS and I, I, now I think they have, I mean, they're the most informed team. What is it? 21 goals in their six games, six games. It's yeah. just ridiculous. Um, and I, I think in a lot of ways, it makes sense. I think Chris Henderson just did a fantastic job leaving options open. Um, yeah. And maybe it looked bad when they didn't have the final pieces, but I think he was really setting the team up. Uh, I think you have strikers in, Julian Carranza and Joseph Martinez who can finish you have guys in midfield like Ian Frey and Benja Kramashi who can do a lot of the running for these players who aren't maybe maybe aren't going to do all the dirty work um, and so they let Messi kind of have a free role he has finishers in front of him Robert Taylor has just turned into Angel Di Maria um, <laughs> but I, I think a lot of the pieces were there and you just needed those those three final pieces in Messi and Busquets and Jordi Alba so I think in a lot of ways, it makes sense that they've been good. But yeah, I don't think anybody expected it to happen this quickly. Um, as far as Nashville and how they're feeling, I think they respect Miami for sure. Um, I think they also are going to be looking at that Philadelphia game and thinking in a lot of ways, Philadelphia kind of beat themselves. Yeah, um, I think Miami were good, but I think that game was almost more about how bad Philadelphia were. They, were, they created chances. They wasted almost all of them. They were pretty sloppy defensively, I think um I think Andre Blake had one of his like the two bad games I can remember he's had in what seven or eight years in MLs right and that cost them so I think Nashville think there's probably a blueprint for how you can at least hang hang with Messi in Miami and Miami and keep it tight and then they're coming off wins against Club America and monterey um I think monterey, if you do the math they have. 12 or 13 designated players on their team just from a from an mls standpoint i think they're probably the deepest most talented team in north america and nashville just beat them to nothing um so i don't think they're looking they're not certainly not looking past miami at all and certainly have to go into it with a lot of respect but i think from their perspective they're thinking you know what we just we beat club america we beat cincinnati on the road we beat monterey we can hang with Messi, and, and so i think they're they're going to be pretty confident and let's not forget i mean they're they're a better defensive team than Philadelphia anyway. Um, so I think they'll feel like they match up pretty well. And I, I think it'll be, I don't think they're going to get blown away.
2: Yeah. Should have been, should have been 3-0, by the way uh, that Mukhtar goal should have stood. That was not, that was not offside. <laughs> no.
0: Um, and I love too, that after winning a, a semifinal two nothing at home, he immediately, I mean, at halftime, he was talking to the refs after full time he went over and talked to the refs again. And then he went home and rewatched it and put yep. up on his Instagram. Yeah. It was the biggest scam of his career. So, I mean, <laughs> he, he's, And he's, he's not wrong. It. it was, it, it was
4: a, it was a hell of a goal. Um, it would
0: have been probably the, the, I think the best goal in Nashville history if it had stood. Oh.
4: Yeah. Well, I, so I, I want to jump in for two things. One, Yeah. just to touch on Sam Surridge. I actually went to uh Bournemouth university in England. And oh, so, cool. I was an AFC Bournemouth supporter for years. And so I've, I've known Sam for a few years and he is one of those players who he maybe sometimes he doesn't seem like he's like, you know, maybe the most uh, dominant person on the pitch, but he, when it's his time to make an impact and when he's given the opportunities, he normally nails them. So I do think it's a great pickup. I'm excited to see what he keeps doing because he did a lot of great things for Bournemouth uh, a few years ago. And then um, my other question was uh, from you know, I, obviously this is the first big, uh, you know, cup final. And so I wanted to know, uh, compared to what maybe normally would be in the air within the national SC community, Uh, for a final and just like the excitement building you know the fact that you're getting these awesome uh, environments in your stadium things like that do you think Messi has elevated the fact that you're in this final or do you think you would have you guys would have had the same sort of excitement because I think it's a strong fan community and I guess I'm just curious like do you think it's not just oh wow we're in our cup final we're really coming into our own it's that plus oh we have Lionel Messi coming to face us in it
0: yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting question. And I think there are probably, I would say, two aspects to it. First of all, you just have Nashville in a cup final. Um, and I think for them, this is honestly probably better timing than making it to MLS Cup. Um, just because here in Nashville, you have the Tennessee Titans, who every time every time it's MLS Cup playoff times, it's also heading down the stretch in the NFL. And, and Titans are king here in Nashville. Um, and they just, I mean, like like they do anywhere, NFL just dominates NFL wins, the market. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they would be in a typical playoff run. They would be competing against that. You don't have that right now. It's preseason has barely started. So I think they're kind of the show in, in town. I mean, predator, the predators aren't playing in the NHL right now. Um, SEC football hasn't really started either. So it's kind of a sweet spot for Nashville. Um, so I think there probably would be a lot of buzz, um, regardless, just because it's the hot ticket in town right now. And I think Nashville has a pretty strong soccer community. I mean, they're, They get close to selling out Geodas Park pretty much every game. You have 25,000 plus at the stadium. Um, I think in a lot of ways, Messi has elevated that because there's just so much interest. And I think this sounds weird to say, but almost maybe hurt a little bit too, just because the game day experience, I think might suffer just because of how expensive tickets are and how hard it is for those same fans who have been showing up for this whole league Cup Cup run and MLS to get in the door. Um, So I think there is maybe an element on Saturday where you'll see fans who are showing up for the first time because they're messy fans and they not necessarily Nashville fans. And I think that's great, but I think it also might be a, a different vibe and a different atmosphere from what Nashville fans have usually created. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what, what the crowd actually ends up looking like tomorrow um, and how bought in they are and how much, how much Nashville support there is going to be versus kind of just generic. This is a, this isn't little messy let's go check this out for the first time and see what's happening. So yeah, I don't, I don't think I have a straight answer for you. (laughs) No,
4: but I think that's a good answer.
0: Well, I think we'll see tomorrow, I guess is the, is the real answer.
2: I kind of want to build off of that a little bit with the ticketing because we we've seen it down here with driving stadium and the reluctancy of the club to give full priority to season ticket holders. We know that Nashville went ahead and did that, um, which a lot of MLS clubs actually did do for season season ticket holders, they let them opt in um, and, and, you know, get these games at their regular rates. And that was not an option for inter Miami, although there was an option before inter Miami, you know, had Messi announced his signing. There was an option to get these leagues cup tickets for cheap, but that was just for the actual group stage games had nothing to do with any game after that. And then once Messi announced his signing, those tickets were pulled away and everything else changed. And I believe for the Charlotte match, um, season ticket holders weren't actually even given priority access. They didn't have a chance to opt in. They weren't given priority access and they were put into a sale, a quote unquote pre-sale that you got in your email along with the general public and other deposit holders. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there's about 13,000 total season tickets for inter Miami. And as soon as Messi made his announcement over 30,000 people put in deposits for 2024. Um, so that tells you just how many people were were able to go ahead besides the general public to try and get tickets for the Charlotte game. And there was a lot of competition and we've seen the reselling and the, the scalping of tickets, the, the rise in prices. And, you know, sometimes, and I've myself have been concerned down here at dry pink stadium, when it comes to resell, you know, looking at Ticketmaster, I see 50% pink seats looking at the, at the ticket map. And I'm saying, well, are these people actually going to the game or are they trying to make money? So it's kind of a, a weird thing and now we're seeing it we saw it uh against fc dallas when, when miami went there did not see it as much against philly philly was actually extremely good about that and that i think a lot of that had to do with jim Curtin and the front office and the ownership like coming out and, and saying things publicly to hey don't sell your tickets we want this to be an atmosphere and philadelphia probably put on a much better atmosphere than dallas did because philly were Booing Miami on booing Miami and Messi on touches. I mean, it was not a you didn't hear Messi chance through the broadcast like you did against FC Dallas. What are you kind of what are you seeing from the Nashville side in terms of what fans are saying about the ticketing? I mean, I think the minimum ticket when it was released was like three hundred and seven dollars. Now all the way up to six hundred and fifty eight for a minimum ticket. They've gone down a little bit over time, but just that initial reaction to to what was going on up in Nashville for, for the game on Saturday.
0: Yeah, I mean, so a few things. I think first of all, maybe it hurts a little bit that this is the first ever Leagues Cup because I think there were a lot of fans who just were pretty either pretty skeptical of what yeah. the tournament would be like. I, I think they, Nashville had the uh Leagues Cup showcase last year here against Club America and they I mean, they brought back guys from their USL loans just to play that game because it was it wasn't an official game, so they could bring them back for a game and send them back out without running into all the roster issues. So, I mean, it was huge rotation. And I think a lot of fans, it was a great environment, but I think a lot of fans were like, okay, this is what the whole tournament's going to be like. We're not going to, we're not going to pay 30, 40 bucks a ticket for the entire tournament. So I think there was maybe some skepticism and just people not knowing what the tournament was going to be like. So a lot of season ticket holders opted out who I think probably regret that now. Um, I think the minimum attendance so far in League Cup was at Colorado game, which is right around mm-hmm. 16,000. So I think that's maybe the benchmark for how many season ticket holders opted in plus kind of the general public interest. Nashville has 20 plus thousand season ticket holders already. So they have a they have a pretty strong base, but I don't think, I think if all of those had opted in, Nashville would have included that in, in that um, announced attendance. But yeah, I mean, ticket prices started at I think three Oh seven for the supporter section. When they went on sale initially, they skyrocketed. They were close to like eight. I, I saw one ticket yesterday listed for more than my monthly mortgage payment, uh, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, um, but I mean, look, I, I, checked yesterday. I was trying to, I'm tr- I was trying to find a ticket for my son to go. Um, they were 485 yesterday and I just actually, while we were talking, I just pulled it up now and they're down to three sixty eight. Um, so I think a lot of a lot of scalpers probably thought they could make a nice profit, and now that they're now they're seeing that the demand maybe isn't quite lining up, they're they're gonna they're gonna take a loss on some of these. So I I mean I would encourage anybody, whether you're in Nashville or you're just traveling up to to just specifically for the game. I mean keep checking through tomorrow, because I think as it gets closer and closer to game time, even if you're snagging a ticket an hour or two before the game starts, I think you're gonna see. Um, maybe the bubble kind of burst a little bit and and some of these tickets drop significantly. So I think, it, yeah, if you if you were initially turned off by the prices, I think it's going to look a lot better tomorrow.
2: For, for sure. All right, we're going to get right into some more game talk right after this quick word uh, from one of our sponsors. If you are ready to transform your backyard into a haven of relaxation and luxury, look no further than our amazing podcast sponsor, La Azura Pool Services. With over 20 years of industry experience, L'Aqua Azuda is a name you can trust when it comes to services, equipment repairs, and restoration for all things pools. If you're looking in the South Florida area for your pool to be serviced on a month-to-month basis, L'Aqua Azuda boasts an impressive five-star rating on Google Reviews, and it's a testament to their dedication to the customer satisfaction and top-notch service. Also, if you mention Messi & Co., you will get your first month of pool service absolutely free. So, don't wait for pool service, patio renovation, or more. Call them now at 954 793 7206 and get a free quote for any project. Thanks, Lacqua Azuda.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click Granger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done. So Ben, I, we did mention already that
3: where Miami did play a very good game against Philadelphia. We also acknowledge that uh, Philadelphia did kind of shoot themselves in the foot in uh, certain aspects of their game. So you know, one of the things that Philadelphia did is they went away from their identity, right? Playing two up top, a lot of high pressing. They were just so focused on Messi, focused on Busquets, that they lost focus on their play style, on their game plan, and what has really made them successful as a team and throughout this tournament. So, you know, now that you throw... um You throw... um Joseph into the mix that he's, he's finding his form as well. That's somebody else that they're going to have that now Nashville is going to have to focus on. Like, I don't know if, have you heard anything or what are maybe Europeans on the adjustments that Nashville is going to have to make to make sure that they don't fall into that same uh, position where they kind of lose out on their game and focus so much on Miami and what they're doing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I don't think Nashville are going to change too much to be honest. And I, I think that's probably a good thing. Cause I think you saw Philadelphia almost try to over adjust for a specific matchup. And I mean, I, I think they had a lot of individual mistakes, but I don't also don't think Philadelphia ever really looked comfortable. They looked kind of unsure of what they were supposed to be doing. Um, which is weird because they've had such a specific established identity for so long. And it, it was just a little bit strange to see them kind of shift away from that. Um, I mean, and obviously Messi is, better than any player Nashville have faced. But I mean, they've, they've played uh, two pretty good attacks. I mean, actually three, if you include Toluca who are one of the better, I think they were one of the surprises of leagues cup Um, that, that game was a little bit more chaotic. I think Nashville rotated a lot and ended up losing four to three. Um, But I think they kind of took some lessons from that and adjusted really well against club America and Monterey. Um, So I think they're probably going to stick to what they typically do and what they've, what they did especially in the semifinal against Monterey they keep they don't necessarily sit in a low block the whole time but they aren't you to know, high press you they're going to keep the game in front of them they're going to keep their lines compact um Walker Zerberman and Lucas McNaught at center back they'll occasionally push up into midfield and try to win um win tackles while while guys are receiving the ball with their back to goal um so I think they're going to be not aggressive defensively but I don't think they'll back off Messi I don't think they'll I mean, I, I think at this point that they all have talked about how they watched the first seventy minutes of the Philadelphia game before their semifinals started. And so I think they're gonna see what happens when you give um when you give Messi too much space. I think also not to compare Honey Mukhtar and Lionel Messi, um, because I think they're two completely different <laughs> players. But I think what they both do really well is they everybody knows w- with Nashville that Mukhtar is the focal point. Mm-hmm. And I think similar to Messi he's able to find ways to get into just ridiculous amounts of space, even though everybody knows that he's the guy that you need to be watching. And so I think there might be some aspect of Nashville seeing that every day in training um, and having to adjust to that. And so I think I wouldn't be surprised if they put one or two players specifically, maybe even put a guy like Alex and and just say, you know what, you're going to follow Messi around the whole game. Um, And, here, here in Nashville, a lot of fans call Alex Miel the Manhattan Messi. So I think there's <laughs> maybe a little, maybe uh some poetry to that. But yeah, I I think, I think they're going to stick with what they've done well so far this tournament. Um, they probably know that they're not going to shut out Messi. But I also think, I mean, they I actually just ch- pulled it up. They um they played Miami um a couple uh, a couple months ago here in uh, Geodas Park. Um, okay. back, back in May, and won two to one. Um, it, Kamal Miller started. Um, Arroyo started drake calendar started so i mean i I think they feel like they've played some of this back line before and i think for as good as miami are going forward i think they still leave a a decent amount of space in behind and nashville have been maybe the best counter-attacking team in mls over the last two plus years um so i think there are goals in this on on both ends and i don't think nashville are gonna want to get into a shootout with anybody but i think if if they can keep miami to two goals i think they'll feel pretty comfortable that they can at least create enough to to probably score two goals at the other end.
3: Yeah, I think Nashville, like, just to your point, I don't think, I agree with you, that I don't think they're going to change their game plan or the way they play, just like Teal Burnbury was actually uh, interviewed, I, I believe it was today, earlier today, or maybe it was late last night, and he even acknowledged himself that he's he knows that there are going to be times that Messi has the ball and they're not going to be able to do anything against that, that there's going to be times that Busquets has the ball and he's going to get some unbelievable passes off, and they can't do that. But he said that what they need to, what Nashville needs to focus on, is to be able to pick their moments, and be able to build off of those counterattack opportunities, right? And essentially, what you just said is, you know, they're not going to focus so much on Miami, but focus on how they want to play. And I think that Nashville is uh, going to do well, especially on defense. Like you said, they're maybe not going to be so low, but they're actually a really good defensive team. They're not afraid to put bodies in the box on defense. That's something that we've seen. And, you know, it's it's quite interesting because there are a lot of teams that maybe get really defensive on, um, uh, you know, because they have to counter what the other team is doing. But whereas Nashville just does that naturally, like they're really good. They they're they're not afraid to be on defense and they're actually really good at it, whereas other teams maybe aren't so good defensively. They just do it because they're afraid of the other team.
2: That's the Gary Smith way. Phil Neville used to praise Gary Smith uh, about the way Nashville would approach games. And I remember it wasn't in 2022, but it was kind of in 2021 when Miami were, when they lost, when they missed out on playoffs and Phil Neville said that was large in part due to the fact that, you know, Miami couldn't force results against teams when, even when they were down and, and you look and he said, he look at a team like Nashville, a team like that, that's under Gary Smith, a well-oiled machine that can absolutely pick a results out when they need it most. I think that year Nashville was tied for like the most ties in MLS. Um so you know <laughs> it must have been a fun year, right? But and Miami were I think only had like three or four ties on the year. So, you know, when I think about that, I I say that yeah, Nashville should stick with their tactics and and trust what they can do against Messi and have a little bit of an adjustment period because of Messi, of course, but for the most part, you don't want to do what Philadelphia did, which is go away from you know this counter-attacking style that Philly is so good at. Philly was so good at counter-attacking teams, and they did it in their in their match prior to facing Inter Miami. And you saw what happened in those first couple of minutes when when they got broken through um, because of their focus on Sergio Busquets. You saw Daniel Gazda give a couple looks around and not attack. You know Krivstov. You had two players on Lionel Messi, and Joseph was able to make a run. You can't let your back line be broken down like that. They they tried to step up against Inter Miami just doesn't make sense to go away from the the idea that has made you so successful and i think that obviously gary smith saw that game against philadelphia and as you said Teal bunbury said the same thing they all watched that first 70 minutes and there's no reason to go away from what you know and, and especially at home in front of what we can maybe expect to be a super, super national crowd, we're still, we're still trying to figure that out. Um, the, the, a TBD, national yeah, crowd exactly.
4: with Austin.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I just, it's, uh, it was so bizarre to see what happened against Philly. And I don't think that any team in MLS, well, at least in this final then going into MLS is going to make that same mistake. Well, and even
0: going back to that, um, to their win against Monterey, I mean, they had, I, I think Monterey had six, 62% possession. Yeah. Nashville Looked really. I mean, I was really surprised at how comfortable they looked when Monterey had the ball right outside the 18. They stayed organized. They let them pass the ball around. They didn't really give them any open passing lanes. I think Monterey had 22 shots and three on target. So, I mean, Nashville are really good at giving up lots of possession and not letting it turn into anything dangerous. I mean, now when you're playing against probably the the greatest playmaker to to ever step foot on a field – that's a little bit more risky um, because if anybody can find, find a pass through a, a pack defense, it's messy, but I, yeah. I do think they don't, it, when they see Miami and Busquets and Messi with the ball close to their 18, I don't think they're going to panic. I think they're pretty comfortable with that. Um, so I don't know. It, it feels like it's a, a really good matchup um, and it should turn into a really good game. And I'm excited to see what happens.
4: Yeah. I, it's sort of, makes me kind of to shift a little bit and this is kind of one of those intangible stats and it's a really subjective question i'm going to ask you but i think what we're we're wanting to see is outside of just tactics um and you know maybe the rotations the way you know the defense lines up things like that i think when it comes to finals it's also just a matter of who who's going to be like that guy right who's going to be able to step up who's going to not let the moment be too big for them and i think what will make this a good match is that both teams have it. I think that with Dallas and Philadelphia, and maybe these were sort of abnormalities compared to how they normally operate. um, The moment was, they got moment got too big for both of them. Cause whether it was messy, whether it was, you know, just like mentally checking out, whatever the case may be, the moment outshined for them. And so with this, I think that, you know, Nashville has enough players where they've been in these moments similar. You know, obviously, this is the first league's cup. This is, it's hard to go against messy it just is I don't really care who you are in the world (laughs) it's hard to go against him but you know for Miami it's the same thing are all of them are they all going to step up to the moment you know and so I uh I'm curious I guess the question is you know do you what do you think about that in terms of like kind of the moment versus the moment and how much do maybe tactics and rotating and things like that go to the wayside when it comes to those moments where it's just like all right well who's gonna who's gonna step up and who's gonna get it done
0: yeah, I mean, I think Miami obviously have the advantage here because Messi has done it how many times in like Cup Finals on significantly bigger stages than this. Sergio Busquets, Jordi Alba too. I mean, they've won. They've all won World Cups, which I mean, you can't you can't beat that. Um, but I, I do think Nashville. I mean, they have Walker Zimmerman. He's played at World Cup uh, on kind mm-hmm. of a smaller scale. Anibal Godoy has been. A, he's played in huge matches against. Mexico and the Azteca he's played in Gold Cup finals um, and so they have they have veteran guys who I mean not to the same level as Messi obviously but they've played in big games um, they feel pretty comfortable with their identity Um so yeah I don't think like, like I like I've said I don't think Nashville are necessarily going to back down it's just seeing if you can do this what they've right. been doing against a, a, a team with just that much more quality um, but yeah I, I think stylistically they match up I don't think Nashville is going to change how they play. I don't think Miami is going to change how they play. And I think they're kind of, con- they have such contrasting styles. Um, and so it's, it's not like you're going to get two defensive teams who are just kind of like offering the ball to the other team and saying, okay, you get a turn to try to break us down and see what happens. It's going to be Miami trying to break down Nashville, Nashville playing good defense, and then getting the ball to hani Mukhtar on the open field and, and seeing what happens. And I think it's a recipe that's worked really well for both teams. I, I think Nashville have done it for a couple of years. And Miami have done it insanely well for the last six, seven games. And, and so I, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Uh,
2: there will be chances. I, I know for sure. We, we saw it against Dallas. We even saw it against Charlotte and we saw it against Philadelphia. There will be chances for Nashville to break through. Miami have given them up repeatedly. Philadelphia got extremely scary. Drake kind of had to stand on his head uh, between the posts and make a couple of really key saves. One of them was offside, but he had three saves. Nonetheless, that, Really kept Miami comfortable in terms of the scoreboard, and I, I think that when you talk about you know Miami having to go against a defensive block of like eight, maybe nine players that Nashville are going to put in front of the eighteen, you know they're going to eventually get antsy and put their numbers forward, and we've seen it happen time and time again. Sergio Busquets against Dallas was looking to get forward a ton more against Charlotte as well. The Dixon Arroyo, Benjamin Kromeshki kind of balance we're we're still trying to figure out, but we liked what we saw uh, as we talked about in this podcast uh, against uh, Philadelphia. We'll see if that stays intact. But if Miami do have the majority possession, they have been susceptible to giving up counters, whether it's, you know, through the middle where Hany Mukhtar may be, or it's down the wings if Yedlin or Jordi Alba are cheating to get forward. So. I don't think there will necessarily be a shortage of chances for Nashville. It's not like they're going to come at a, you know, plentiful rate, but they will have to be efficient when those times, when those times come, because you look at the Philly game. Yes, they gave up goals early, but it's not like they didn't have chances to get back into it. Uh, They absolutely did. And so without that efficiency in front of net, any other team against Miami is going to struggle because as you said, I think that, they're expecting to give up a goal or two. It's kind of impossible to stop Lionel Messi at this point. Whatever he's got going on uh, with his front line and Robert Taylor, and if it's a you know a box of ten in front of the the eighteen, or if it's eight or nine, whatever Nashville want to do, somebody will find a ball and, and the, the keeper will be tested. I, I wanted to ask you about the keepers as well. Joe Willis left for personal reasons at one point in this tournament. After you know there was a couple of games where he was subbed off the penalties. Is there any full decision there? I mean, I, I can't imagine you you sub off the backup now, right?
0: Yeah, so I, uh, Joe Willis, I think it was the Minnesota game that he missed. Um, and he actually posted on Twitter, I think, yesterday. His father-in-law passed away oh, okay. Um, okay. after a battle with cancer. Um, so, obviously, they let him head out, um, I think, back to Colorado um, to to deal with that. He came back um, a, the day before the Monterey game. Um, and I think at that point, Elliot Panico had kept a clean sheet against Minnesota. Um, and Willis just had just got back into the facility. So I think Gary Smith just decided to stick with Panico to, to give Willis some time. And kind of, I, I think Smith also kind of has a tendency to just ride the hot hand until it isn't hot anymore. And it's worked for him. Um, so now you get into a really interesting question. Um, Panico has kept two clean sheets. Obviously, the Minnesota game was kind of a route and going down to, to 10 men pretty early into the game. So I don't think Minnesota ever really posed a threat, but he was really good against Monterey. Um, and he's in form. He obviously has subbed in for two penalty shootouts. And now do you take out Elliot Panico who has been in really good form for Joe Willis, who has been the guy for three and a half years, or you just do you ride with Panico and, and see what happens? So I, I don't know how it's going to go. I think I'm probably leaning towards um, giving Panico another start just because he's, he's been good and in form. Um, I don't know if there's a wrong choice, Um and I have, I have no idea which one he's going to go with. So that's, I mean, that's going to be, I think that seeing if Schaffelberg starts and seeing what Smith decides to do with Sam Surge, I think those are the three big questions for Nashville as far as lineups and, and how they approach the game.
4: Um, so I have one sort of last question and then if yeah. anyone else wants to jump in, they can. Um, and this is more so a bird's eye view question. From the MLS overall, because you've been writing uh, for MLS and covering, like you said, for a lot of years now. Um, I want to know if you think that outside of just this game with Nashville, obviously, we we all have our biases right now of what we want to see happen tomorrow. But um, just for the league in general, even in these early six weeks do you think that Messi is going to have that positive lasting impact? That's going to help sort of take the league to that next level. We're obviously seeing what's happening with Saudi Arabia. We're seeing that maybe Europe is sort of decentralizing a little bit as being the only place where top talent play. Um, And so just from what you've seen thus far and what you would like to see, I just want to know kind of your overall thoughts on it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that is the million dollar question. Um, and i'm honestly not sure i don't want it to be the type of thing that messi comes in here and plays for two or three years and then leaves and it's pretty much the same right. um, i don't think that'll happen because i think you have things like club world cup coming to the us copa america the world cup in 2026 so i think you're kind of seeing some back to back events on a scale that we haven't really had here before obviously in 94 but that i mean mls didn't even exist when when that when that was when that happened here in the U S so I think there's a lot of kind of milestone benchmark things that you can hit. Um, I think Europe is decentralizing. I don't know if how much that's actually going to impact MLS on a, on a bigger scale. I think maybe a a player or two here and there, but I think they're kind of going after a different profile of player. Maybe not those Kylian Mbappe's or or Neymar's or those really top end talents. I think they're more going for younger guys like Ricky, uh, Ricky Pooch. Um, or even, even guys like Connie Mukhtar who are kind of in their prime, who have had mild success in Europe, but who come over here and really make their names here. Um, and I think that's kind of more the blueprint that MLS is going to keep following where you get younger guys play here for two or three years. And then, you know what, say, if you do well here, we can send you back to Europe, send you to a big team. I mean, Miguel Almaron seems like kind of the, uh, the, the goal that they're trying to hit where you get a guy from South America give him two or three years to really play at an MVP level. And then say, you know what, if you do well here, there are going to be top end teams in the premier league that are interested in you. Um, So I think from a a, a kind of transfer strategy, I I think they probably still try to hit that maybe, maybe sprinkling in a few bigger names here or there, but I think that's what they're going to go for. I think the real big question is, excuse me, if you can, um, if you can turn all these people who are watching the league for Messi into actual MLS fans, Hmm. Because I think right now you're selling subscriptions to MLS season pass, um, because of Messi. People are watching Miami games because of Messi, um, and, and I'm really interested to see if that turns into people being you know, like, you know what? I watched Messi play against Charlotte, and I, I I liked what I saw in Charlotte, so I'm gonna start following Charlotte or right. Kansas City or Portland. And I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know if they're doing that now, but I think if they if they go two or three years and having Messi kind of here to advertise all these other teams and they can't figure out how to turn that into actual like fandom for other teams besides Miami. I think that's a problem. Um, so I'm, I'm, I don't know how they're going to handle it, but I, I think that that would be success if you have Messi come in here for three or four years and then realize that the fan bases for every other team in the league has grown because of that. And I think that's what they have to be aiming for. And I, I hope they're, they're, planning for that i would be surprised if they're not but i think they have to figure out some tangible ways to make that happen
2: for sure all right we're gonna run one more quick ad we'll be back in 30 seconds with some rapid fire predictions for the match i got some questions for you guys are you ready to transform your space into a masterpiece introducing mosaics your destination for stones and more mosaics is a family-owned business serving the community for over 20 years with the best quality porcelain ceramic tiles and high-end mosaics featuring unique modern designs Mosaics has everything you need. Dedicated customer service, wholesale distributors, and a passion for excellence. Make sure you visit mosaics.com today to turn your vision into a reality. All right, guys. Time for quick rapid-fire predictions. Before we get to the scoreline, I want to know, do M&M score? Yes, I'm calling Mukhtar and Messi M&M right now. Do we get both players on the score sheet for the final? Ashley, I'll start with you.
4: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think both players have shown that they can show up in those moments, and it's going to be great. It's great for MLS. It's great for the teams. It's great for the environment. I'd like to see both of them score.
3: Gian? I definitely think they both score. I think they're both uh, deserving uh, to get a goal in, in the end, uh, and, and and more so Messi. Just to see a Messi goal in a final would be fitting. Uh, he's scored in every game so far. Uh, but yeah, definitely both of them score yet. Ben?
0: Um, I think Messi scores. I think I'm going to say Mukhtar. if he doesn't score, he assists. Um, okay. Because I, I think you've seen that a lot with, with Serge, especially. So yeah, I guess so, maybe may, may a cop out, but Messi <laughs> no, goal no, and at least, at least an assist.
2: So goal contributions from both. That's what we'll say. Yeah, so okay. because we're expecting that, then we're saying that both teams are going to score. What are our predicted score
3: lines? Uh, we'll switch it up. Gian, where, where are you going? All right. So I've uh, been tried. I've tried to be very objective in every single game that I've tried to predict. And I keep messing up because <laughs> I say that we are going to score. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. But I'm going to keep it civil here. Uh, I'm going to go with a four goal. Well, four goals for uh, Miami simply because we've scored many games. Four goals. I mean, we've had four against Charlotte, four against uh, I think it's uh, Atlanta, four against uh, Philadelphia. So four, and then I'm going to give Nashville two goals. I'm going to say it's four and and maybe it's just me wanting a lot of goals. I want it to be an exciting game. So four two. Okay, Ashley. I'm going
2: to go three
4: one to the Herons. I think that. Hopefully Miami is going to keep that streak of starting off hot. I think that Nashville will get a good counter-attacking goal and keep the game interesting. And then I'm hoping in the, somewhere between the 60th and 80th minute, we're going to see a little of that messy magic to help take it over the top.
2: All right, Ben, round it out. What were your thoughts? I hadn't actually
0: thought of a prediction until just now. Um, that's <laughs> fair my, enough. I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to go two to one Nashville.
2: Um,
0: and I know there's there's probably a little bit of proximity bias coming out there. But at training today, there was a Gary Smith quote making the rounds that someone in MLS is going to have to be the first team to beat them. Um, and I think Nashville are probably the best equipped to do that of anybody that they've played so far. And as good as Messi is individually, I still think Nashville have played probably two more well-rounded teams in Club America and Monterey. And they came away with wins in both. So I think they probably... I don't, I think they've shown that they can do it already. Um, and at home too, I would be surprised if they don't, if they don't at least keep it, they're going to keep it competitive, but I wouldn't be surprised to see
2: them win it. Wow. That is a, uh, you know, I, I don't think that we've had somebody come on the show and say that the away team is going to, to win. And this is, I honestly, I thought it would be Philly and, and of course hindsight's 2020, but now looking at Nashville, I think they're a lot more well-rounded than Philly actually are. Um, the thing too is prob- I think Philly
0: probably should have won
2: and didn't. <laughs> They, they had, I, I really think that if it wasn't for the first goal and, and Jim Curtin coming out really, I don't, do I want to say soft? I don't really know what it was in that first couple of minutes, but they didn't look like the union that we know, especially the union that we know at Subaru park. That is the one that really kind of throws me off is that they, they weren't in an uncomfortable setting. The only uncomfortable thing about it was playing against Messi and they really just fumbled the bag almost entirely if if you Um,
0: give up four goals from four shots you deserve to lose yeah
2: yeah that that's absolutely so all right ben thank you so much again for doing this we really appreciate you coming on awesome yeah it was a ton of fun much i really want you to plug yourself let everybody know we got going on where they can find you and especially for the coverage from the nashville perspective of the final i want everybody to go to you so let everybody know
0: yeah. So, I mean, Twitter, I'm still on there. We'll see how long that lasts. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can find me at Ben right there um, at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have just a bunch of Nashville coverage um, kind of in the buildup. Um, and then I'll be there at the game doing kind of Nashville focused coverage for mlssoccer.com
2: awesome all right for gian ashley ben and myself here at five reason sports network as part of messi and co the english side this was our nashville versus miami leagues cup final preview we will see you guys pre-game during the game post-game saturday night depending on when you're listening to this uh make sure you check us out on youtube uh, subscribe if you're watching now like the video give us your comments we'll try to get to everybody that we can follow twitter at Messi and co and if you're listening on the podcast platform make sure to rate and review uh, go ahead and download the episodes and follow so you can get the notifications whenever we post thanks so much for tuning in, everybody we will see you post match
1: after the final leagues cup see you guys